Welcome to the Out of the Bubble podcast. My name's Rachel Carew. Join me as I share a weekly dose of midlife inspiration, where you get to hear from amazing women who are embracing life and leaving a trail of inspiration along the way. Breaking down the midlife stereotypical barriers and proving it's never too late to find new passion and purpose. And to step out of your bubble. So what's stopping you? Welcome back to a new week on Out of the Bubble podcast. I hope you've all had a lovely weekend enjoying the first signs of spring. What a difference it makes to just see some daffodils and blue sky, especially when we consider what's going on elsewhere in the world. So today I am joined by Karen Sutton. Karen is the UK's first grief and loss coach specialist, specialising in helping those widowed early in life. Karen's life was turned completely upside down in 2016. Her world fell apart when her husband, Simon, aged 43, died suddenly, leaving her with young children. And a whole journey that she had you know, no preparation for, and she could never have foreseen such kind of traumatic um, circumstances to her life. What she's learned through that process, she is now passing on to others and helping other people through this grieving process to come out and live an empowered, fulfilled life after having to deal with all this. This may trigger some people. If you're going through this right now, this may not be the right time for you to listen to this episode. Find a time that's right for you. But if you're ready for this, grab a coffee and let's talk to Karen. So welcome, Karen. It's lovely to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to, to our conversation. Oh, we were saying before we started this conversation that our into the social media, we can love and hate it. But the fact that we make all these connections, I wouldn't have met you if it hadn't been through another connection on social media. So I love how it, it really can bring people together, can't it? Yeah. Do you know what? It's been so powerful for, for me in my journey. Um, it, it's played a huge part in it. I've said to you before, I have a, I do have a love-hate relationship with it. I think it can be as damaging as it can be um, connecting and positive and hopeful. Mm. But I think we really have to consciously choose how we use our social media um, and, and we don't always. But it, it's a powerful tool if, if it's used in the right way, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I've already done an introduction, but how do you describe yourself to people? How do you introduce yourself? Um, on a professional level. Yes. Um, it's funny, actually, because people say to me, what do you do? And when, when I first um, sort of started doing what I was doing, I'd kind of dance around the edges of it a little bit because I, I wasn't entirely confident, I suppose, in what I was doing um, and, and maybe felt like I was playing at it. Um, but now I will say I'm a, I'm a widow coach, um, but I have to follow it up with usually essentially grief and loss coach, but I specialise in, in supporting widows and, and widowers and surviving partners um, through their grief because I, I'm the UK's first widow coach it's not something that is known people wouldn't know to search for it or that it even exists um, I mean I have to say uh, three years ago I didn't even know what a life coach was um, it, it's it, you know it's quite a, a new concept so you, you know, when I say to somebody, I'm, you know, I'm kind of I'm a widow coach. I, I do have to follow it up because I, I kind of get a bit of a, a blank look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think it's it does surprise me. And we'll go into this in more in more later, I'm sure. But it really just surprised me that that you are the first I know. to specialise in this. 
you know, this is not a new subject and it's taken all this time for people to actually realize yeah. that, that, that spouses need support huge support I know it's a pro- do, do you know what grief I think is just so ridiculously unacknowledged um and just not talked about enough we we're, we're not equipped to deal with loss in our lives um we, we hide away from it and I just I think through my own experience thought this is ridiculous this is ridiculous. Like we are all going to grieve. We all do grieve in life. Um, not always through death, but we will all grieve a death, a loss of a person in our life. And if you're in a relationship with someone, you've got a 50% chance of becoming a, a widow or a, or a widower um, or a surviving partner if, if you're not married. So I kind of go, why, why are we not kind of given a little bit more awareness of, around this it's important yeah. it's really important yeah so let's we're, I'm gonna we have to start back at the beginning you know I have put a trigger notice in in this episode because if someone is going through this right now it might not be the right time for them they need to pick and choose when they can listen to subjects like this but you know your experience started back in 2016 didn't it it did yeah it was the 11th of September it was a Sunday morning back in 2016 like you say and um, just a, a normal morning, we'd had some friends around the, the night before, we'd had a barbecue, um, you know, it's that, that kind of end of the summer, isn't it, trying to, to get those last barbecues in, we'd, we'd had a few beers, um, and, and it was lovely, and, and my husband kind of said to um, Mark, who was one of the friends that came around, should we go for a bike ride in the morning, it was his usual kind of weekend de-stress, we'd go out for sort of four hours five hours at a time maybe and, and and do a big ride just to kind of regroup I suppose and and release you know the stresses of the week and um I kind of took the mick because we'd had a few beers and thought how are you you're never going to go and do that but he did he got up eight o'clock on the, on the Sunday morning went out for his bike ride said goodbye to myself and the kids and um that was the last I ever saw of him he had a heart attack a cardiac arrest um whilst on the bike ride they tried for an hour to resuscitate him they couldn't um and the first I knew about it was when Mark uh, our friend had come to the house bless him to tell me he had died um a very very surreal experience not something you ever think will happen it had crossed my mind because obviously Simon went out cycling and, and you do so, you know, like because he went for four, five hours, four to five hours sometimes. Um, you'd think, oh, God, is he all right? You know, as the time goes on, is he all right? Is he coming back? And you, you start to, to kind of think dark thoughts. Um, and, and we had talked about our, our own deaths, but you, you still don't ever really think it's going to happen to you. It, you know, it happens to other people, doesn't it? We, um, we have two girls and, and they were nine and five at the time. Um, I had to tell them that their dad had died. I had to go and tell Simon's mum her son had died. And then, of course, there's, there's the extended family and, and all of our friends. And it, it was absolutely horrendous. I mean, just going from the death to the, the funeral, just all so surreal. The passing of time becomes so monumental you don't want it to pass because you don't want to get further away from you from your person and I remember not wanting to go to bed on the Monday night because I couldn't say 
I saw my husband yesterday, you, you know, and each day and week and month and year that passes, you just feel that pull. Um, but then equally, there's this element of, God, I kind of want, I want to be further down my, my journey because it's, when's this going to go? When's this going to get better? Um, this, the pain, the despair, the devastation, it's, it's so physical, it's so mental, it's, it's huge, it's heavy. It's, again, you're not prepared for that kind of loss, devastation in your life. I am so, so lucky. Obviously, this was pre-pandemic. Um, I had all my family and friends around me. They picked us up, they carried us. I, I don't know what I would have done without that. Um, you know, people were incredibly supportive to, to myself and, and the children. And we worked through it. We did work through it. And I did a lot of things really well. I did a lot of things quite badly. Um, but I think it's a bit of a learning curve, isn't it? And you have to understand that there's no guidebook. God, you wish there was. I remember like aimlessly searching the internet and groups and wanting to meet people. I wanted answers. I wanted to, to know how to do it, how to yeah. do it better, how to get to the end of it. Um, when, when was all this pain going to go away? How do I support my children the best way that I can? How on earth do I do life without my person? And you, you have this, this fear that your best days are behind you. You know, I was 39 when Simon died. He was 43. And I thought, do you know what? Whatever happens to me, I didn't believe that I would ever find true happiness in my heart again. And very early on, after Simon died, you know, and I mean, within a couple of days, I said to my mum and my sister, I do not want this to define myself or the children in a negative way for the rest of our lives. I am not becoming a victim of life. It's not what I wanted. I knew it wasn't what Simon would have wanted. I didn't know how I was going to do that, but I was like, we are, this isn't going to destroy us. You, you know, this isn't going to be an excuse for us not living our lives, for us not achieving great things, for the children to, to not do well at anything that they chose to, to do in their lives because we've been through something horrendous, traumatic. Um, and like I said, I didn't know how I was going to do that. And as much as I had that desire within me, there was still that kind of voice inside that goes, it's never going to be as good. You're never going to be able to feel like you have a family of your own again. You're never going to feel as safe or as loved as, as you were at that point again. Um, you know, you're never going to be as happy. You tell yourself all, all these, these things, um, which actually I was wrong, you, you know, um, and I'm glad I was wrong. <laughs> um, but, it, but it's a process. You know, I'm five and a half years into my journey now. and it takes a long time. It takes a really long time and, and it evolves and it changes as you go through that. But essentially, I have now reached a point in my life, which I feel like I've been at actually maybe for the last 18 months, um, a year to 18 months, where I feel truly happy. I feel like I know where I belong in the world. I feel happy within myself. 
I'm very content. I'm very at peace. I still love and miss Simon. I always will. I still have days where I, I cry and I, I grieve and I feel sad. But I have found a belonging in the world. I found my place. And, and I have to say, I am now for, more fulfilled and aligned with who I am in life than I ever have been before because it's just taught me so much. It's taken me on, on such a journey that I have grown and I have become who, who I meant to be. And I'm happy with that person. I didn't, I didn't have that before. So there's a lot of gratitude in it. And that's not gratitude that Simon died. I wish I could have learned all these lessons in a different way, but I, I couldn't, I don't have the power to, to change that. And you have to reach a level of acceptance with that, which again, isn't hard because we like to personalize the things that happen to us in life. Don't we you know why yeah. me? Why has this happened to me? Yeah. What have I done? Why have I been so bad? Why am I being punished? We all do it. It's natural, but we have to learn not to. And, that, and then within that, there's that level of acceptance that stuff's going to happen. You know, you're going to go through tragedies in life. People are going to die. You you might have financial ruin. You might lose the career of your dreams. It's, you, you know, and, and some things are a lot harder to, to live with than others completely, you know. Um, but how, how people's lives pan out, there are a lot of things we can control. There are a lot of things we can't. And, and I think it's learning what those things are and, and coming to peace and accepting things that that we can't it's yeah. not easy but no I mean I can't begin to imagine what you've gone through I know you know I'm actually my closest friend I've lost her husband when she was younger and so I've seen it and it's not the same as going through it and there's that sense of from, from a friend's point of view that helplessness because you want to be able to take it away from the person that's suffering and you can't how easy was it for you to link up with other spouses, other women that had been through this or other men that had lost their partners? Because I guess having that connection to someone that's actually right in the middle of it is really helpful. Really helpful. I remember just asking everyone that I knew, like, does anyone know anyone that's, that's been through this? And people would say to me, oh, I know someone. And I, I would go and meet people that had, I remember even my, my GP said that he had somebody, a friend of his um, who had lost a husband and gave me her number. You, you know, it's just that, you want to meet other people that are going through or have been through something similar. And of course, I found um, Widowed and Young, which is a, a peer support group, a, a charitable agency set up for those who have been widowed under the age of 50. Um, so I, I, I joined Way, they call it Widowed and Young. And, and, there, and actually, it scared me a little bit because there was so many. You know, I'd lived in this bubble for 39 years of my life, knowing that people died and that, that you know, as you get older, we, we die off. But also knowing that tragedies happened, but hadn't been personally affected by it. And then you join something, you know, where these people come together. And there was thousands, thousands of people. Um, this, and this is just in the UK. Um, and, and all of a sudden, there's that realisation of all these young people that are dying. Um, and, and leaving their, their partners, their spouses behind. And it was brilliant because, you know, it normalised what I was going through. I was able to ask questions and, you know, there's little subgroups of people that have got children, people that haven't got children, people that are wanting to date and people that aren't. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. it's kind of um, different conversations can happen in different groups at a time when, when you're ready. And it was very, very helpful. 
Um, but I, I think what I found for me was, you know, I'd found all these people. We'd, we'd talked about our experiences and we'd come together. I'd been to, to counselling because so much comes up. There's so many uncomfortable thoughts and feelings and behaviours that you, you kind of almost don't recognise yourself. You, it, you're feeling things towards family and friends that are just being so kind and supportive to you. But sometimes you get angry with them, you get frustrated, you hate them, you're jealous of them, you resent them. And, and I, you know, no, I don't want to be this person. What's, what's going on? So I, I had to go and talk about that with, with my counsellor and kind of make sense of it. And, and I did. And it was all very, very helpful. But I got to a point in my journey where I was I was kind of like, well, now what happens? I'm two and a half years in. I've, I've had a, a few sort of bouts of counselling sessions. I've, I've met other widows and widowers. I've you know, joined widowed and young. What do I do? Like, who am I? Where do I fit in? What, what do I want from the world? It, you know, I, I kind of, I remember sitting with some friends at the quite early on in my grief saying, I'm not, I'm not going to let this change me, you, you know, because I, I believed if I, if I allowed, <clears throat> excuse me, if I allowed it to change me, I would become an angry, resentful, bitter, person and I didn't want that so I, I spent spent a lot of time fighting the, the changes you, you know I was clinging on to everything that I had in my life with Simon and I didn't want to let it go and I didn't I didn't want to to accommodate all those changes that that were inevitable really because of what I believed but actually what I had to do was accept it, it had changed me it had changed everything about my life and and how I experienced the world how I thought what I enjoyed doing who I enjoyed spending my time with you know it was just the effect is huge and and I think it's that that we don't understand so whilst you're kind of sort of grieving you the person that you were and trying to figure out the person you're going to become you're in this middle ground and it's so isolating and lonely and frightening. You just feel lost because you don't have answers. You have a lot of big questions, but you don't have answers. And, and nobody really knows how to give you those either. You, you know, we can all talk about things until the cows come home, can't we? But it's like, I, I need some action here. I need to figure out something. And nobody's really telling me how to do that. Um, so I decided to get myself a coach. Um, to help me with my health at, at this point I think I was about 42 I'd spent a lot of time partying and and drinking and eating the wrong foods and you know my husband had died of a heart attack at 43 I had two children and I thought right come on let's let's sort this out so this this guy was a, a life coach but you know specialized in in helping you sort of get fitter and and feel healthier I didn't know what a life coach was at this point, by the way. I was like, you what? <laughs> um, but it did. It, you know, I got fitter. I got healthier. I, I lost weight. I started exercising. But not just that. I started working on my mindset. I started to really inquire about me, who I was, my values, my belief systems, my thoughts, you know, creating that awareness noticing what was going on for me, how things made me feel. We get caught up on a hamster wheel of life, don't we? You know, and 
we just keep doing what we've always done because we know it and that's what everyone else does. So that's kind of just what we carry on doing, right? Why would we ever change it? Why would we ever question it? But you have to, life doesn't stay the same. We, you, you know, like whatever you're going through, whatever happens to you in your life, you change, you grow, you evolve. And there's a, again, there's that element of acceptance that these things are happening and really helping yourself to understand who you are at your core. What fulfills you? What makes you happy? What makes you sad? What tools can you draw from when you're feeling a certain way to to help you work through it? And within six months, I have to say, I had had completely turned my life around. I didn't have all the answers. Life wasn't a, a, you know, sort of all flowers and and parties and rainbows and unicorns. You know, it's not that. It just understanding me better and feeling like I was on the right path yeah does that make sense you yeah, know sometimes you're kind of floundering in life kind of like this, this emotions. yeah and you think this doesn't feel right I don't know why but I don't feel like this is where I should be heading I don't know where where else to go and it's just that investment in you I think and, you think and, you need to give yourself permission to to to, to feel like you could invest in yourself again oh that's the hardest thing isn't it because yeah. when do we ever do that we don't yeah. ever do that it's, it's like we're just not good enough surely we, we can't do that that's self-indulgent that's selfish you, you know all those things we tell ourselves again the thoughts the belief systems that we hold and it's it's like do you know what you are you are worth it 100 percent. because when you work on you when you feel better on the inside like everything on the outside feels better doesn't it and I know that's a bit of a cliche and a, and a mm-hmm. one of these kind of woo-woo sayings but it's true it's it's out there because it's true and you know as a result of working on me I became a better parent you know I became a better friend I became a better person and I've just I just felt better more yeah. importantly and I think it always comes down to doing what makes you feel good and going mm-hmm. through this whole process you could have you know and you started to feel like you really were getting your life back on track and it was a different direction than you thought it was going to be but you were on it it could have been very easy for you to go down a very different route and almost stepped further away from from what you've been through but you've actually really tried you've embraced all that and so what was the decision to make you want to help others and do what you're doing now because it would have been so easy to not have done that and you know what? I nearly didn't you know I was a I was a nurse and a midwife before um Simon died and and I didn't go back after he died for, for logistical reasons and you know I was able to spend some time with my children so, so I did and then there came a point where, you know, my registration was going to run out and I thought, how what am I going to do? And I toyed with the idea of, of getting my prescriber's license as a nurse, nurse prescriber so I could do things like Botox and, and stuff and work from home in, in this lovely room that I have and, and make a bit of money and, and do that. But, you, you know, when you're like, I could do that, but it wasn't quite right. And then I thought, well, maybe I could sort of buy a property, do it up like rent it out, sell it on or something. Because I was looking for a project. I was looking for something that would give me purpose in life. You know, I'd kind of looked after the girls for, for two and a half years and I thought I, I need something, but I wasn't necessarily convinced that midwifery and nursing was what I wanted to go back to. Um, and then I thought, oh, maybe what about being a party planner? I love partying. <laughs> like, so I did, I arranged a big um, black tie do party auction charity event with a friend. It, it was, it was huge. 
um, to give me a taste of it. And I was like, oh, no, it's not quite what I thought it was going to be. And in the end, I just, it, I just came to me that I have figured something out here. I have been on this journey. I have hit the depths of despair and sorrow. And I have somehow managed to crawl my way out of it, figure out who I am, what I want. And of course, I'm in all these other groups, listening to these other widows and widowers talking. And, you know, they're all sort of saying, oh, I'm 10 years in, I'm eight years in, or, you know, I've, it still hurts so much. I don't feel like I... And I thought, I, I need to get this out there. I need to help other people find that there's no, there's no need for people to suffer in their grief as much as they do. And I'm not saying that I have a magic answer, that I can take all the pain away, that I can, I can tell people what I did and that will work for them because it's not that. It's helping people invest in themselves, find a more positive way through their grief, understand who they are, what they want, what they desire, so they can get on their own right path and, and find their own way. And, and I just, it was just, it, it lit something within me you know I just thought gee I need I doing my values I realized that I loved helping people I love to do good and obviously it's like done my nursing midwifery before I love working with people um I was passionate about what I'd been through and it just all felt right it felt aligned it ticked the boxes I could still do it from home I knew absolutely nothing about starting a business or technology or how any of it worked but what I had learned in my grieving journey was that I can do anything I want to do because I can figure it out. I may not have all the answers to things here and now, but my God, if I can figure out how to do life without my husband, yeah. I, can, I can figure the rest of it out as well. And it's it's kind of become a bit of a mantra of mine, like, we'll figure it out, you know? And that's what I like to do essentially is walk alongside people whilst they figure out their way. Um, just as that that moral support that guidance the person to ask the questions to, to give them the tools and and also they know that I've been there and I've done it so I'm not kind of teaching it from a from a book um yeah. it's through yeah. lived experience yeah and what I love about you is you you do show that you know that, that there is a positive life afterwards you can thrive yeah. again yeah. and and so often when we when we talk about death and we talk about grieving it's always obviously it is a very negative you know emotion to, to have to deal with but like you say you don't have to be chained to it for, the, for your no. life and you give people hope I think which is really special yeah and I think that's so important because there's this this general misconception that grief equals pain and sorrow and sadness and it does it does like you say it's incredibly painful it's a horrendous experience and it hurts but it doesn't have to be like that forever you know grief can also mean love and gratitude and hope and growth and meaning and purpose it there's so much about it it teaches us so much about life and you know if we can open our hearts and our minds to, to those lessons again not easy because we do become attached to our pain because we believe that our pain is our link to our person yeah. but it's not it's a link to your suffering you have many other links to your person that actually are positive but we come in, we become entrenched in this belief that it's pain. Pain equals grief and grief is our love. And that's the only way we can do life after someone has died. And it's not true. You know, I, I just, I, I, it's part of it. Absolutely. I'm not trying to minimize it or diminish it. It's we have to go through the pain 
and feel it. Um, you know, we can't box it up and push it away, but it doesn't have to be there permanently forever. Yeah, and Lena, thank you so much for sharing that because I think it's so important. Do you, you work with men and women, don't you? Yeah. Have you noticed a difference in the way that, that men and women go through this process? Do you know what? I think, yes, I do. Um, and it's it's in, obviously I work with women a lot more because of a few reasons. I am a woman. And I think sometimes women prefer talking to women. There's more women statistically than men because sadly more men die young than women do. And I think women are more inclined to reach out to get the support they need than, than a man is. So I do have more female clients than male, but I do work with men. Um, but what I've noticed and also what I've read about as, as well that other people have noticed is that men and women do grieve very differently. Men are far more forward focused. They're more restorative. They're, they're not so, um, I guess, I mean, they, they do acknowledge the past, but they, they don't maybe sit in it as much as women do. Um, but women are, are quite, women will sit more in in the past than want to look forward they find it harder to, to want to take those steps forward men i think and men have more of a, a confidence maybe to do their grief in the way that feels right for them whereas women i think are very held back by their own expectations expect expectations of the others around them what they what they think other people are thinking of them so people's judgments um whereas men tend to worry less about that um and they will find their way and and are more able to look forward and I don't mean all the time obviously you know they they still hurt and and go through pain and and loss you know they feel a lot of the similar things but women definitely um (laughs) I think what we do as women and and I say this as a woman and as someone that has done this and and it's not and I'm not saying all women but we layer our suffering far much more so than men do with the thoughts that we have, with the fears around what other people are thinking of us, with the, with the, the self-judgment, the self-criticism. Um, and men also do that, but not as intensely. Um, and I, I genuinely think we could learn a lot from them as much as men could learn a lot about from us about sharing their emotions and being more open and, and vulnerable and, and talking about their truth. So it's, we do do it differently. And, and sadly this, it does happen, you know, when a couple goes through a, a loss, so a loss of a child or something, it's not often the loss itself that causes the, the, the breakup of the relationship. It's the judgment of each other's grief. Yes. Because we believe that our way is the right way, the only way. And we can't understand always that someone else will do it differently. And, and that's okay. And, and we, and you know, when we're hurting and the pain is, is so raw, it's hard to, you know, when, it, when emotions are high, intellect is low, isn't it? And we, we can't, can't sort of make logic or, or, or rationalize things very well. That's um, why these conversations are so good. And that's why, you know, on your podcast, you're having these conversations is really important, isn't it? Yeah. They're so important to have. And, and I think people are scared to have them a lot of the time. And I get it. Even when I talk, talking to you now, I know I'm saying things that are going to annoy people. <laughs> um, and, and I'm going to get people's backs up. some because, because people, wherever they are in their grieving journey, we're, we're ready to hear different things at different times. 
And I understand that and I respect that. And not everyone will resonate with what I'm saying, depending on where they are in their grief journey, depending on their experience. And that's okay. You know, these beliefs are my own beliefs. I'm not saying they're fact. And what I love about having these conversations is that I will say something. You may have an opposing view or belief or idea, but I want to hear it because then that that educates me to another way of thinking because I know I'm not right all of the time. I know that my way isn't everyone else's way, but through conversation and through talking and understanding, we can see how diverse we are as people, how there are so many different ways to do life and, and, you know, deal with life's experiences and have that understanding and that empathy for each other to go, yeah, I get it. I get why you're doing that. But because we don't talk about it, we then see how someone else is behaving or we might make an assumption or a judgment based on a a small snippet of, of their life that we see without really understanding what's going on. And I think when we can have these conversations, and share our, our different thoughts and beliefs and ideas, it opens our minds to, to different ways. And I think it just makes us more empathetic and compassionate and, and just kinder people. Yeah. And is that what kind of thrives in your Facebook groups? Tell us about your Facebook group, because I know that that's, that's yeah. really good. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so I've got, it's um, like widowed and rising. So like you've said, I, I do really like to bring the positive aspect to it, you, you know, and, and I really like to create a safe space for everyone to share what they're going through, their ups, their downs, their goods, their bads, um, because, you, you know, it is horrible. And I want people to have a space where they can share their truth and what's really going on for them. But equally, I don't want it to become a space where it becomes heavy and depressing. Because that could, that can happen when you've got a lot of people. I think there's about 1,300 people in the, my free group. And, you know, if, if all those people in there are coming in with the pain and the anguish and the sorrow, it, it becomes a heavy place. And then we don't want to, to, to do that. So I, I go in every Monday. I, I, I have, we have a, a half an hour chat where I talk to them and I give them tools. I give them ideas. We, we talk about different ideas. Um, belief systems. I, I challenge their thinking a little bit because we believe our thoughts, and and it's kind of going. But do you, is that a fact? <laughs> I, you know, last week I kind of said, right, let's create a wall of optimism. So everybody share a positive story, something that you've you've learned, you've you've created, you've achieved in your grief journey. And oh my god, it was amazing. And people were saying, I hadn't realised I'd done so much. And we don't, we don't acknowledge the good and our accomplishments because we're so focused. You know, our brain has a natural negative bias. We will always go to to the bad, the thing we haven't done very well, the the thing that's hurting us the most. And and it's kind of like, right, let's acknowledge what you've achieved, what you've done here, because that's really important and it can go unnoticed. And and it did, and it offered people hope. And that's what I like to do is, is kind of, yes, there's the bad. There is the bad. It's there. It's real. And it's horrible. But there's also things that you're doing. You're growing. You're evolving. You're, you're achieving. You're, you're reaching parts of you that you never knew existed, you know, and that feels good. You know, I remember in my grief journey, I learned how to tow my caravan because Simon always towed the caravan on a towing course. I took my girls on our first trip. I felt invincible, you know, because you're, you're like, I never thought I'd be able to do this. And I did it. Um, so that that's kind of what I like to create in, in my groups. Um, and how can people find that, Karen? 
So that's if you just go onto Facebook and look widowed and rising, um, you, you will find it there and, and you can join just to answer. It's just for widows and, and widowers. I do ask, you know, some people that are relatives or friends of have asked to join. And I, I want it to be a safe space for people that have lost a partner. Um, yeah. So I, I do decline those, um, which, you know, isn't easy to do because I, I love it. I love that people want to support their friends and relatives by learning about it I think that's wonderful I really do but then I would always point them in the direction of of my free you know Facebook page and um, Instagram page or or my my podcast because there's a lot of information there as well I wonder if somebody's listening now and they really can resonate with what you've been through and, and want to to know more about you have you got a website that can come and find you? yes yeah I've got a website so it's literally karensutton.co.uk so and and you can book in a call with me on my website um i do a free 15 minute people um and, and you can see what services i offer there as well amazing and i could talk to you for so much longer on that you know i think you are such a i love the fact that you're really helping empower other people through a really difficult time and in such a positive way and i'm so glad to see that you're thriving now through after what you've been through so thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey because I think there'll be a lot of people listening that will be able to relate to it oh, my last my four pleasure. questions that I yes. asked my guests so do you have a book that's really kind of touched you or moved you or inspired you yes and, and this kind of question threw me a bit because you know you kind of think, <laughs> well, I've, read, I've read so many books um and, and there are so many and I think I'd, I'd say the one I think I probably enjoyed um really enjoyed because walking and and talking and just being with myself has become really important to me in my grieving journey and Jonathan Hoban has written a book walk with your wolf and and he's a he's a, a, a psychologist and he has clients and he talks about how walking therapy can really help either on your own or, or with someone and and just you know there's a lot in there about the questions we ask ourselves and and how we can deal with, with life's challenges that was really good but there's also a a book that I'm reading at the moment called The Choice by Edith Eager um who is absolutely incredible she's uh she's 96 I think that I can't remember but she's in her 90s she's an Auschwitz survivor she's a psychologist and she is incredible and she talks about her time in Auschwitz and how she dealt with it and and obviously her her life thereafter and her, her, her just, I guess her belief that we all have a choice in life. And this is something that I fundamentally believe. We all have a choice in how we choose to respond to the things that happen to us. And we can choose to be a victim and sit in our pain and, and say, why me? It's not fair. And, and, and you're entitled to do that because it is really hard sometimes. You know, I'm not judging anyone that does that. But we also have a choice in kind of wanting to, to learn a new way to 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 survive to thrive and to create something so I find her and and she wrote another book as as well as the choice um and I can't remember what it's called and that's really bad but basically it's like the 12 steps of of how you know she gives you 12 um steps as to how you can become more resilient and and create a, a more meaningful life so and that was brilliant um, so yeah, I've kind of talked well, about three they, books there, haven't I? Sorry. No, right. no, it's brilliant. We're always up for book recommendations, so I shall add those to the list. But what about a piece of music or a song that has really touched you or that resonates with you? I know this. Do you know what? It's it's a bit cheesy, but I'm kind of known for my love of Gold by Spandau Ballet. I have been all my life. And every time it comes on, you know, when you're just like, 
gold. <laughs> my kids do it now. We do it. And and six months after my husband died, I turned 40. And my sister created a video of gold of all my friends and family singing little snippets of it. She put it all together and I just treasure it. And I love it in that song. I don't know. It just, it just makes me feel good. It just makes me want to get up and grab life and feel good. And it's, yeah, it just, it's just a lovely song. (laughs) It's funny actually, because gold has a different thing for me because I love the song too, but um, my daughter was homeschooled for a while because she wasn't well when she was younger. And her tutor um, was in like the local amateur dramatics. And he sang, we went to see this show and he sang gold. And he was fantastic. He was really good. But my son was two years younger than him, um, younger than my daughter. And when he used to come to the house for lessons while she was in the study, my son would walk past the door and say, gold. <laughs> <laughs> so when I hear that, I always think of him being really cheeky. It really makes me smile. <laughs> See, isn't it? Yeah, it is yeah. lovely. <laughs> Love that. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I'll think of that now too. <laughs> what about who inspires you? Oh, so many people inspire me. Um, I have to say, I think my late husband has been a huge inspiration to me, um, just in how he lived his life. And, and I feel like he's inspired me more in his death than he did in his life, because I think I really stopped to, to take notice that and and as a follow-on to that I think my my two children I think that they they teach me so much every day I think they're absolutely incredible they inspire me to want to be the best person that I can be for them because I truly believe that children do what you do they don't do what you say so we have to lead by example and and teach them to be the person we'd like them to be in life by by modeling that ourselves and 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 they do inspire me that, you know, they give me so much. And I think, I guess as well, they remind me of, of my husband and that there are parts of them that, you know, he lives on in them, I suppose. So I, between them, um, I, I think they they hugely inspire me. Um, I could go on with, with many other people, but <laughs> I think for the most part, it's, it's Simon and, and my girls. Thank you. And I'm trying to encourage women to be more complimentary about ourselves. Um, because I think it's something we still struggle with. So if you were to pay yourself a compliment, what would it be? If I was to pay myself a comp- my, uh, myself a compliment, I think I'd, I think I'd say, do you know what? You're, you're doing good. You no, know, you are working hard to be a good person, but to not expect too much of yourself to not be perfect. And, and you are, you know, I, I, I do think... I'm not perfect, like I say, but I'm a good person. I'm a kind person. I'm doing my best. And I have this kind of inner belief that I, I can do this. I can I can do life. I can face what, what comes my way. It won't always be easy, but I will do it in the best way that I can. Um, and I, I can't, do you know what? I like myself. Yes. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> we need more of that. Definitely. It's taken a long time. It's taken a long time. Um, you know, I'm I'm nearly 45 in a, in a couple of weeks. And, and it, it does take, it does. I can safely say I like myself. And, and it feels good to, to be able to say that. Perfect way to end. Thank you so much for talking to me. I really enjoyed it. And thank you so much, Carol, for sharing. It's just and the work that you do to help others. So oh, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you for good. having me. Thanks, Rachel. Pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye.
Well, another great interview. I really enjoyed talking to Karen and as always could talk to her for so much longer. The fact that, you know, what she's been through, she's now sharing those experiences and everything she's learned to help empower other widows, I think is really powerful stuff. And I think when you go and check her out on her social media, you will see that she really is living this, this new life and thriving and growing all the time. And like she says herself, she's now living a happy life. And I think the positives that she can share and spread with other widows is just so important. So hugely grateful to talk to Karen today. Lots happening on Out of the Bubble. We've got lots of events happening this year and I'm so excited. It's something that I really wanted to, to start growing before the pandemic hit, everything got halted. So it feels good for 2022 to have some events actually in the diary. So the first event we've got happening on May the 18th, which is a Fabulous body confidence group lingerie shoot for women over 40. There'll be a maximum of 10 women. There are a few spaces left. And you, if you are somebody that has really wanted to try a lingerie boudoir shoot, but you've maybe been a bit too scared and not sure whether you could do it, then why not join this, this group shot where there'll be 10 women all supporting one another and I will literally be on set to hold your hand. And as a lingerie model, I've had lots of experience now where I can really help boost your confidence on set and give you the best advice on the day. We'll be having a body boosting confidence breakfast and we'll have professional hair and makeup, time for your own individual shoots, and then we'll have big group shoots. So what a better way to represent women over 40 to show how fabulous our bodies are in midlife. And the next event will also be on the 15th and 16th of June, and that's the Step Out of Your Bubble two-day retreat. And that's happening at the Acorn Wellness Retreat in North Yorkshire, just outside Harrogate. And it's set in the most beautiful idyllic location in an area of outstanding natural beauty. And we're so lucky to have this facility to be able to spend two days that will really lift and inspire and feed our mind, body and soul. There's lots planned. We have Amber Rose is going to be doing some Pilates and meditation work. And she specializes in working with women over 40 to really start the set the tone for the two days and get us balanced in the right mindset. We'll also have the fantastic motivational speaker, Jojo Smith. And after honestly 10 minutes of talking with Jojo, you feel like you're a superwoman. She's brilliant at being able to Pull out the unique qualities that you have and how you want to show up in this next chapter. Who do you want to be? Who do you want the world to see as you approach midlife? So she's, she's going to be talking to us in the afternoon. We'll also be sharing and being inspired by the beautiful film Be Brave by Joe Mosley, who was actually our first Out of the Bubble podcast guest and I'm a huge champion of. Joe Mosley um, began paddleboarding in her 50s and she went on to create this beautiful film Be Brave and it's following her journey of paddleboard in the north. She's the oldest woman to paddleboard from Leeds, Liverpool to Gull. So that was a fantastic film, and it's really moving and inspiring, and also shows that you know there's no wrong age to start new adventures. You don't know where things are going to lead to if you keep an open mind. We'll also have Lucy Downs, who's a wild swimming expert, coming to teach us about breath work, and she's going to be taking us wild swimming in the local river, and it's just so beautiful. I'm praying that we get nice weather because it's just stunning scenery and that will be a great experience with so much in the press night now about how wild swimming is so good for us not just physically but also for our mental well-being so I'm really looking forward to that and then you'll have some time with me to really boost our body confidence and leave knowing that you've got some tips so that when you are having bad days and when you are having a bit of a wobble you've got things in place that you can work on so all in all you will you will go away feeling fabulous and restored and have some time for yourself to think and breathe so that's happening on the 15th and 16th of June 
Both those events are on my website, rachelperu.co.uk. And if you've got any questions, just um, send me a DM on Facebook or Instagram, rachelperu1, and I will always answer your questions. So I'll be back next week. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Out of the Bubble podcast. I hope it's left you feeling inspired. If it has, why not come and join a fabulous group of women in my free Step Out of the Bubble Facebook group, where you can get to connect with other women all at different stages of their own midlife journey, supporting and inspiring one another. You can also come and say hello on Instagram, at rachelperunron. I'd love to know how you intend, or how you are already, stepping out of your bubble in 2022. If you're loving the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. Your support is much appreciated. I'll be back next week with some more inspiration. But in the meantime, keep being fabulous.